And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode 397. I am coming at you fully vaccinated and ready to go from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And of course, a little public service announcement here, folks. Get the jab as soon as you can. We're never going to get to herd immunity if y'all don't participate. So everybody get the jab if you can and let's beat this thing. Get it out of our hair. Let's get things back to normal, folks. That's what we need around here is normality. Anyway, uh, before we get started this week, I do have a couple of things to plug here. First of all, I want to wish a very happy birthday to longtime listener Chris Bendorf over in Ireland. And a happy, very happy birthday to you, Chris. And also, I want to do a quick shout out for another listener. And this is our good friend, Manuel Carmona. He was on the Yena Wepa show, which is a podcast and YouTube show. And you can listen to that over at comiccrusaders.com. And you can hear Manuel talking about his indie comic project, New Wave, and uh, truthful comics in general, and all that that he's part of. And big congrats to uh, Manuel for for being on their show and getting the word out, because, you know, we want to support all of our listeners and all of the endeavors that they have. I'm guessing that that particular show is going to air this week, though I don't really know the time frame or anything like that. I have no connection with them, so I have no idea how often they release episodes. All right, so we do have an issue of Ultimate Thor to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Thor. And Ultimate Thor was published in January of 2011. The cover price, $3.99. Cover art is by Pacheco and shows Loki, and he is standing in front of a sort of blue beam sort of thing. I'm not really sure exactly what that's supposed to be. It could just be artistic license. And there are some nonsense runes on either side of him and uh, a very, very spiky... Uh, it's a rose bush, but it only has one rose on it. Uh, but it's a very long, spiky vine that apparently is some sort of rose bush. Uh, very beautifully colored cover here of a, uh, I wouldn't even say sinister, but just a you know dark looking Loki standing in the middle of all this spikiness. We open up to the uh, summary page where we have previously on Ultimate Thor. EUSS High Command, present day. Thorleif Goleman, a man enrolled in the European Super Soldier Program, spirals into a psychological delusion, believing that he is a Norse god lost among men. Professor Braddock, the head of Europe's Super Soldier Initiative, can't determine the source of the subject's problem. He recruits the mysterious Dr. Blake for help. Asgard, eons ago, 
Norse gods and brothers, Thor, Loki, and Balder, fight to defend the kingdom of Asgard, the home of the gods, from the frost giants of Jotunheim. Though their battle is successful, the war against the frost giants is long from over. As Ragnarok, the end of all things, nears, Odin the Allfather seeks to mold a powerful weapon, the Mjolnir. The Mjolnir? Nazi Germany, 1939. Baron Zemo plots Nazi domination by revealing the way to do so. The power of the sacred runes, which gives access to the mystical Asgard and its plunder. But first, they'll need a little help from Asgard's vengeful enemies, the Frost Giants. We get a half-page illustration here of the Frost Giants dressed in their Wehrmacht uniforms. And we have the credits. Writer was Jonathan Hickman. Penciler was Carlos Pacheco. Inker, Dexter Vines. Colorist, Edgar Delgado. Letterer, VCs, Clayton Cowles. Cover art is by Pacheco Vines and Frank Darmada. Assistant editor was Sana Amanat. Senior editor was Mark Pensiata or Panicia. Panicia. Editor in chief is Joe Casada. Publisher is Dan Buckley, and Alan Fine was the executive producer. We start at the Dome in Brussels, the USS High Command. And we have uh, Professor Braddock and his son Brian, a.k.a. Captain Britain, standing around looking through uh, one-way glass at uh, Thor, who is sitting on a bed in a very empty room. And we have um, Dr. Blake talking to, uh, to the two of them off screen. I think I finally have some answers for you, Professor Braddock. I would hope so. You've been testing for over a week. Enough time to be more than thorough. That's my father's way of saying thank you, Dr. Blake. Yes, well, no stone unturned. And any thanks may be premature, as what I've discovered may lead to even more difficult questions. To begin, I can find nothing wrong with the patient's physiology. In fact, he is in perfect health. Better than that, actually. But it's not really what's of interest here. This is what you need to look at. And he's got a whole bunch of, uh, looks like uh, MRI images, uh, you know, up on a, one of these big glowing panels like they display x-rays on. And it's uh, obvious that they're uh, skull uh, scans. When it became obvious that his condition, his insistence on being a reborn Norse god was not a physiological problem, but a potential psychological disorder, I decided to question him while conducting an MRI scan. As he told me about his father, Odin, his brothers, a place called Asgard, etc., I could see specific areas of his brain showing electrical activity. I followed that lightning, and it led me to this. These scans show activity in both the hippocampus and the neocortex. Doctor, you're going to have to explain what that means, says Brian. It means you have a problem, gentlemen, because he's not making this up. He is remembering. And we shift scenes, and we are in Asgard, and we have this round city that is surrounding this huge uh, tree, which is, I take to be uh, Yggdrasil. And the announcement is being made here. Citizens of Asgard, men of war and fearless Valkyrie, today is a day of celebration. It is the close of an age of darkness. It is a new spring. It is a rebirth as our thousand-year war with Jotunheim has ended, and ended well. It has ended with victory. And we see uh, inside uh, Odin's hall, and Odin is there with his wife and his ravens, and of course a bunch of other people as well. 
And uh, there are even delegates here from the Frost Giant uh, Kingdom. I uh, don't know what capacity they are exactly, but anyway, everyone is here and they're screaming. Yay! And this person is saying, In recognition of this, the All-Father Odin has declared a month of jubilee, a celebration that begins with dance and drink, and a test of wills between his greatest warriors. The Four Winds, the Generals of the Wall... The sons of Odin, Baldr, Loki, Thor, and we see all of these uh, in turn. We do see that there are some other people here who look a little bit familiar. I guess we'll find out if we know exactly who these are. And the old lion, Volstag. And we have Volstag here looking large as normal, but uh, very much more fat buff, you know, sort of wrestler buff and... Uh, he's got a completely bald head and he's got, uh, of course, his, his beard, uh, though not as a voluminous beard as normal. And he's with his two compatriots who are Hogan and Fandral. And Hogan is saying, Fandral thinks you should watch out for the fast one. And Hogan warns, be wary of the strong one. Fie, says Volstagg. Just hand me the biggest stick, boys, and I'll aim for all three. And to the champions, the announcer says, spoils, including the favor of our lord Odin and the hand of the mistress Carnilla. Prepare for battle. And uh, he turns to Odin and says, my lord, on your word. Begin, says Odin. And uh, Volstagg is approaching them with his big stick in hand and saying, well, who's it going to be? And we have Loki, Balder, and Thor approaching from the opposite side of the arena. And Balder says, Heroic battles against ice giants, dwarves, and dark elves. Now I'm reduced to fighting a fat man. Promise not to eat me. And Volstagg swings the stick and Balder dodges. And there's a wham as the stick kind of hits the, the uh, ground. Well, shall we? Says Thor to Loki. And they wade into battle. And uh, Loki attacks Thor uh, with a giant chunk as he hits him with his stick. And it uh, looks like it uh, splits open Thor's lip. And uh, Thor's looking the butt off and he's talking to Loki. Oh, that's how it's going to be. And the two of them are, are fighting. And uh, Loki says, someone has to keep you on your toes. We are getting ready to enter very dangerous times, brother. And all this is going on. They're going back and forth. Loki is poking Thor with a stick and they're whacking at each other and they're fighting and seems to be pretty evenly matched. I think you have suffered one too many blows to the head, Loki. We won. It's over. Yes, we did, says Loki. And in doing so ended a stalemate that had existed for 1,000 years. During wartime, we knew who we were. We knew who we were supposed to be. Now that has ended. Now everything changes. Change upsets things. Change calls everything into question. Change is chaos. What do you think of that, brother? And Thor whacks Loki hard across the face and knocks him down. And he says, I think you should talk less, Loki, and swing more. And uh, there's clapping coming, and Thor turns around to see what's going on. And it turns out it's it's Balder, and he is sitting on top of the uh, unconscious Volstagg and, and clapping. And he's saying, 
anything left to Thor. And so obviously it's the two of them now who have to face off. No, says Thor, but you're still going to have to come over here and beat me. Of course, says Balder, and he approaches and the two of them start fighting with a smack. And uh, they're just fighting with their uh, sticks here. Uh, I noticed that Thor is wearing his hammer at his at his belt, but uh, you know hasn't used it in this fight at all. Um, I would think that it would be against the rules, wouldn't it? But anyway, anyway. So uh, they're fighting, and Balder just takes a swipe at, at uh, Thor's legs, knocks him down, basically has has beaten him, and is kind of crouched over him in a victory pose. Everyone's cheering, and Balder is saying, "Had enough for one day." Aye, says Thor. Next time, then, brother. And he helps Thor up off the ground. We see the other warriors are getting up to. They're, they're not badly hurt. And uh, Thor saying, Ha! You've always been the best of us, Balder. Then why could only you lift Father's hammer, Thor? You sell yourself short, brother, says Balder. Now announce my victory and give the good people of Asgard something to see. And Thor grabs his hammer and pulls it out and he raises it above his head and he summons down a lightning bolt with a crack of doom. He says, Witness, Balder the Brave, champion and loyal son of Asgard. And uh, everyone is cheering. Odin, he's even standing up and you see other people applauding. And we just see the uh, uh, the the. It looks like uh, Carnilla not looking real happy. Uh, I'm not sure if this is Carnilla or whether it's uh, Odin's wife. I think it's Carnilla. And uh, we see the um, representative of the uh, Jotun uh, sitting there looking very thoughtful. And we shift scenes once again. And it looks like the same Nebel. Or that looks like the same Frost Giant. And he is in Germany in 1939 having been summoned by uh, Baron Zemo. And they're standing in this giant stone circle. Remember the, the Viking stones that came up out of the ground last time? And the uh, Jotun is saying, I am here. And he's surrounded by uh, German army people, and they're all in uniform, and they're tanks, and everyone has guns and stuff. And they, they, this is real, I guess. You know, remember, I wasn't sure if this was symbolic or not, but the Jotuns actually are dressed in the Wehrmacht uniforms like we saw last time. I have answered your call and assembled the true sons of Jotunheim to join your army. Now tell me your scheme for storming heaven. There are plans, mammoth of the Jotun, and plans even deeper within those. But they start here and with this, the Rainbow Gate. Where are we, says the Jotun. The Midgard realm, the cursed land, this is foolishness. And you call this an army, cheap metal and little men. And you think this rabble can break the walls of Asgard? For one thousand years I hammered at them with titans, and you offer men? I offer victory, mammoth. The victory that only comes to those with knowledge and the cunning to use it. Do you want to wax poetic about your millennium-spanning defeat, or do you wish to see how we will win? And Zemo has his assistant, I guess his name is Helmut, and he's holding the, uh, looks like the Casket of Ancient Winters, but I don't think it is. I think it's just the box with the runes in it. And uh, the, the Jotun says, show me. 
And Zemo takes the top off the box. And yes, it is indeed a bunch of glowing runestones. And uh, Zemo is uh, kind of lifting them up. It looks like he's kind of throwing them around a little bit, which is silly. But okay. Anyway, and we shift scenes again. We are back in Asgard. It says ages ago. And somebody else who is casting these runes around. And it turns out that it's Odin. And he's talking to Thor, who's there with him. And they're in a, a kind of a very Viking-looking... Actually, it looks very comfortable room with uh, you know, a couple tables and a big fire in the middle and a uh, brazier where uh, Odin is uh, doing his rune work. Do you know what these are, Thor? Says Odin. The Norn Stones. It is said they contain all the power of the Asgard. It's a lie! Says his, one of Odin's ravens. A lie that hides the truth, says another of the ravens. And I'd have there be nothing but truth between father and son, says Odin. And uh, he continues on his with his casting. And Thor picks up the hammer and is kind of stroking it. And Odin turns to Thor and says, You have a question? And Thor says, Mjolnir, the hammer you gave me in the final battle when we broke Jotunheim, it came alive. It spit lightning and power, unimaginable and seemingly unending, flowed from it and into my body. I defeated everyone that I faced. I was something greater than I had ever been before. I, I, you were unstoppable. Yes. A force of nature. Yes. How? That hammer, the Norn stones, they are all made of the same thing. They are avatars of power for this place. And we see... Um, while Thor is doing his little spiel, a scene that uh, Thor is kind of glowing and there's lightning and you know he's standing on top of this uh, giant mound of defeated enemies and yeah, so so this is all going on while he's uh, having this conversation. So what I felt, says Thor, that power, it was Asgard, but you said, wait, why are you smiling? Ragnarok will come one day, Thor says Odin. It will. I will die and everything will end. It will end because Asgard has no power in and of itself. If there is no Odin, if there is no All-Father, this place will simply cease to exist. I am Asgard. The secret of the stones, what lies in them, what was in Mjolnir and now lives in you, is a small piece of me that will survive that final day. And Odin is looking at his, his ravens, and there's still these uh, runestones kind of floating around him. Such a gift. It should not be me. Baldur, or Loki, perhaps, says Thor. That choice was not yours to make, says Odin. It should not be me, says Thor. You have a purpose. For Thor, son of Odin, was born to wield great power for good cause. And in him... I have considerable faith, says Odin. And we shift scenes and we are back at the uh, EUSS and Thor sitting on his, his bed and he's, he's talking to Dr. Blake and he's saying, uh, gone. The clouds are silent and I can no longer call the lightning. Mjolnir is gone. Nothing is lost forever, Thor, says Blake. You simply need to find it again. And outside, um, Professor Braddock is saying, how am I supposed to make a logical decision when faced with something like this? What do you mean, says Brian? I mean this, this, this absurd situation I'm faced with. A god reborn as a man, it's ridiculous, Brian. The Americans found Captain America frozen in a block of ice and brought him back to life. 
Absurd is par for the course, says Brian. And not to pile on, but you're in charge of the European Super Soldier Program, Dad. I'd get used to it. That was genetics and cryogenics, son. This is like someone showing up with a sword claiming it's Excalibur and he's a reborn Arthur. And how brilliant would that be, says Brian. I take it you have an opinion on what I should do? Well, the way I see it, you've got two choices. One, you cut him loose and explain to the higher-ups how we spent over a billion dollars of technology specifically attuned to a man who, after thorough screening and testing, turned out to be insane. Or two, you give him a chance. Because just maybe he isn't crazy. We shift scenes once again, and this time we are in Asgard ages ago, as it says. And Loki is lurking about in... Uh, maybe he's not lurking. He's just walking down a hallway, it looks like. Anyway, he's uh, walking around in Asgard. And he runs into uh, one of these uh, Jotun, who's uh, there, probably one of the guests from the celebration earlier. Loki, says the Frost Giant. This is neither the time nor place for you, half-brother. I will see her, Mammoth, and I will see her now. Move aside. And Loki goes into a room, and Loki's mother is there. Maybe this is the, uh, the yeah, who I thought was Carnilla earlier. I think it is. Anyway, so this is Loki's mother, the I guess the widow of the Jotun king, which would make sense to why she was at the uh, party before. Anyway, uh, Loki goes in to see her, and he says, uh, Hello, mother. I understand you have not uttered a single word since the fall of Jotunheim. I wonder, is it because you no longer have anything to say, or because there is nothing left to be said? And she continues staring off into uh, the fire and just thinking. Do you wallow in grief because when I was a boy you sent me here to Asgard to live with my father, and as a direct result of that action it would be I who killed your husband in battle hundreds of years later? Or is this the silent rage at the injustice of now living under the boot of a man that spurned you? I know that the treaty my father forced your people to sign is harsh, and I know it will chafe, and I am sorry for that. But I cannot know your mind unless you speak. I cannot help you unless you tell me how. I want to be a good son, if only to hear your voice. Ask me for anything, and it is yours." And she turns to him and uh, looks, looks right at uh, Loki and says, Bring me the Norn stones. And Loki uh, is looking back at her and says, And so let chaos reign. And we shift scenes and we are back in Germany in 1939 and Baron Zemo is opening the gate. It says opening the Asgardian gate and he speaks some nonsense runes and puts his hand on the thing and it's all glowy and a giant, uh, looks like, uh, well, an image of Yggdrasil appearing, uh, which is, I guess, is supposed to be the Bifrost or whatever they call it here in, in the ultimate version. The uh, Jotun are going forward, forward for vengeance and the ending of the Aesir. And they are all going into the, this gate and they're being followed by the Nazi soldiers. And Zemo is there and uh, he is um, uh, looking at uh, Helmut. And uh, he, Zemo's like, your orders? I have the package, sir, says Helmut. And I understand what I am supposed to do. 
Be vigilant, Helmut, says Imo. Be loyal. And he goes through the uh, gateway, and as he goes through, the gateway closes, leaving Helmut there with his package of, of I'm assuming, are the runes. And, uh, yeah, and they are gone. And we pick up them up on the other side of the portal, and the armies are looking uh, at the... Uh, it's like a little, like a canyon sort of thing, but it's completely encircled. And they're being blocked by one man who's standing in, in a little gap. And the soldiers are saying, Someone blocks the hidden way, Baron. A man stuns God. That is no man, soldier, says Zemo. It is mighty Heimdall, the warrior who guards the path to Asgard. And he will not let us pass. And we do see it is, in fact, Heimdall, and he is standing there with his uh, big sword in hand and looking very much like Heimdall would in, in a classic Lee Kirby uh, sort of uh, environment. Except he's not on a bridge. He's standing at a gap. Anyway, uh, and then uh, the Jotun come rushing forward, and they say, we shall see about that, and they attack uh, him. And Heimdall just slices them in two with his sword with a shachunk. And yeah, it looks like he defeats them rather easily. And they're attacking and he's just destroying them. And uh, yeah. And then uh, Zemo turns and he says, bring me my weapon, he says to somebody. And they bring him uh, a long box. And inside the box, there appears to be a bow and arrow. And he picks an arrow up out of the... Um, out of the case, and we see Heimdall as he's uh, attacking one of these Jotun, and it looks like he's getting ready to do a death blow, and all of a sudden there's an arrow in his eye, uh, or goes right through his head, <laughs> his arrow, and that would appear to be the end of Heimdall, sort of, I don't, don't know what's going on, but anyway, it, it is, we see that it was Zemo who actually shot this arrow. He turns around to the army and says, now the way to Asgard is open. And he peels off his mask, which, um, you know, I thought Zemo was supposed to have this mask adhered to him, but apparently not. And he peels off the mask, and it turns out that he is actually Loki underneath. And he says, And Loki, son of Odin, lord of chaos, has returned. And that is Ultimate Thor number two. We'll be talking all about this Issue right after this message. Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him Adam. But return to me again empty handed, and I will bathe the stallways in your blood. Thanks, Dad. Sounds fair. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all, had I not pulled us into the Soul Gem. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you were going to kill my father? You dare to oppose me? You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand planets. It's all right, Adam. We're here to help. Just stay cool. Ugh! I don't want to be here! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Five years and going strong. Every other week, mostly. 
for all of your Adam Warlock, Thanos, or Marvel Cosmic needs. Find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. Resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com Adam Warlock, you cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor. I always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the can. And we're back with a few comments about the issue, as we always have. So first of all, this series gets a bit of flack. People don't like it. And and I guess I get it as far as why they wouldn't like it. I'm not really sure. The Ultimate Universe is kind of its own thing. It's an alternate world, as, of course, we know that from Secret Wars, among other things. I don't think they're pretending to be the Marvel Universe. It's it's a Marvel Universe, whatever the designation, it's Earth six one seven or whatever. Yeah, but but it's not the same as 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 Marvel Prime Universe. Getting that into your head, I think, is important because I think that a lot of the criticism comes from this weirdness of this being just different from what people are used to. So far, most of this has worked for me. I like the alternate take on the Warriors 3. I like this uh, fight that they have in Asgard. We get a different look uh, at uh, you know, Fandral, Volstagg, and Hogan. And even though they're not called the Warriors 3 because that's what the other three were called last issue, um, I think it's cool. I think it's a, a different look at them. And one that works. I mean, I like the, the fact that, that Volstagg is being played up as this kind of this badass and it makes sense. Volstagg has never been as inept as people like to think of him, though. I mean, you kind of look at him and he pretends to be a coward. and Or maybe he even is a coward, but he has just this phenomenal luck that allows him to take people out accidentally. And I like to think that that's kind of, a, a, you know, kind of a, an act on his part in the prime Marvel Universe because we know that that Volstagg is actually kind of a brave character. Because if he weren't, he wouldn't have been a member of the Warriors 3. They would eventually just say, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, why are you here? So seeing him in this different kind of portrayal, I think, is interesting. The writing, I think Hickman is pretty good. I think he has a pretty good grasp on, on you know, the inner character dynamics. The scenes between Odin and Thor, I thought, were really good. I like the fact that we have this uh, interesting and different dynamic than what we've seen in the classic Thor comics. And and I know that sometimes people don't like stuff that's different, and maybe that's why this, this series gets a lot of flack. Now, it may have a really unsatisfying ending, which I guess we'll find out in the next couple of, uh, of episodes. But I, so far, I'm okay with the story, and, and I'm okay with what's going on. Um, the artwork by Carlos Pacheco is, is really nice. It's really good. It consistently looks good. He has a really good sense of layout and composition. Uh, the characters all look on point. They're very consistent. I like the way he draws the, the ice giants in particular. I do like the way that uh, you know, the, the characters are portrayed. And, and Odin not being the sort of Santa-like god is I think it's it's a big plus. He shows that you can do Odin in a different way and have Odin still very much have that presence and still very much be Odin without having that uh you know occasional ho 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 um that, that we get from from the likes of uh, you know John Buscema and Keith Pollard and 
and Jack Kirby. But anyway, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about the art. Um, but that being said, I think that I've kind of shot my load on this review for this week. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks once again, folks, for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you have a few weeks left. Um, you know, if you have anything to uh, to submit, please do so. Uh, the email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join the Facebook group, which is not going anywhere. Uh, if you want to uh, participate in the conversations there, just look for Radio Free Asgard on Facebook and you will find us. And with that, I'm back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>